Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Troy Radio, episode 486, coming to you on Monday, June 5th. Uh, we're going to talk about a slew of commitments that the Trojans have picked up uh, really in the last basically 24 hours, uh, 36 hours, whatever it is. SC has gotten a bunch of commitments. We're going to talk about that, talk a little bit about the search to find a new athletic director at USC, uh, and then also play a fun little game with us here at the end before we get into the mailbag and open up the uh, the mailbag with, our, with everyone watching us here on YouTube and so much more. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, look for us at Reign of Troy over there. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Email address reignoftroy at fansided.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio in Los Angeles, Lisa Deratol. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back for another episode, and um, this should be a fun one because there's a lot to talk about on the recruiting front, eh? Yeah, I mean, a lot to talk about is is a little bit of an understatement. Um, yeah. If you if you haven't been paying attention on Monday, uh, <laughs> the, the recruiting weekend went very well for USC. Just a little we bit. Can just say that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we were putting together the rundown, and I worry about this thing getting outdated ASAP. I, honestly, I was I was writing about this for Fansided dot uh, com earlier today, and thinking to myself like. The good news is that they decided to do this this wave of commitments before we started recording, but who's <laughs> to say there won't be more? So, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you, you never know. Um, before we get to the news, we want to talk about a new opportunity for SC fans. Uh, DraftKings has updated uh, their sign-up offer and upgraded for a little limited time. And so if you're a new user over at DraftKings, you can receive 200 bucks in bonus bets followed by just following these three steps, create an account, deposit, and then wager five bucks on any sport. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you can still receive the 200 bucks in bonus bets. All you have to do is use a special little code. Alicia, what's the code? Reign of Troy, all one word. Yes, use the code Reign of Troy, all one word when you sign up. The best part is using the code not only helps you Get the bonus, but supports the podcast. Once again, maximize your first bets over at DraftKings. 
by using the code Reign of Troy, all one word, at DraftKings. Reign of Troy is the code. It's not Reign of Troy, all one word. It's just no. It's it's Reign of Troy. R E I G N O F T R O Y. Yes. It's important that it's the R E I G N version of Reign of Troy. Well, yes. Yeah, so I'm just saying, don't write Reign of Troy, all one word. Yeah, don't do that. But write Reign of Troy. As all one word. Yes. You know, you know how yeah. it goes. Uh, yeah, the offer is available for new customers who are 21 plus uh, and physically present in legal gambling states. I hope that applies to you. If not, then you can hope, I guess, or you can travel to those mm-hmm. states. Uh, please remember to gamble responsibly. Check out the episode description for the full terms of the offer. There yes, indeed. There you go. Yeah. The first live read here on YouTube. Right, yeah. Troy, all one word, as, as Scott says in yes. the chat. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Uh, but Elisa, we got a bunch of news to get to. Um, and after this news, you might want to put a fiber down the Trojans. You never know. So let's get to it. SC has gotten five, count them, five commitments uh, since Sunday. Today is Monday night as we record this. Um, I'm going to walk through them in order. Uh, SC got three-star offensive tackle Hayden Trader, uh, an unranked prospect in the 24-7 sports um, composite for 2024. Unranked in the composite, but a three-star nonetheless. Uh, six foot six, two, uh, sorry, six foot six, 300 pounds out of Cherry Creek high in Inglewood, Colorado. Yeah. He started the wave about nine o'clock on Sunday and it feels like a, a prospect that USC is hoping to develop and grow. Uh, he's a guy who you get out from under Deion Sanders' nose over there in Colorado mm-hmm. and, uh, a, a sign that, uh, you know, USC's offensive line recruiting is going to be stocked up quite a bit in this class uh, as future developments will also attest to. Yeah, exactly. And he started the wave for four-star safety. Jarvis. Oh, right. Jarvis starboard. I was, I was waiting for Jarvis starboard, but starboard is back, baby. It is back. Um, We know that SC had uh, the legendary basketball player, Benny Boatwright for several seasons um, recently. And now, Starbird is back. There's a Starbird on the the the, uh, the football field. It's going to be Jarvis Boatwright. Uh, the four-star safety was favored to go to Florida. He has committed to the Trojans. He's 426th in the 2024-247 sports composites uh, for next season. Uh, six foot one, 170 pounds out of Clearwater, Florida. Uh, I, I think if you want your boat somewhere, you, you'd want it in Clearwater, and Clearwater is a good place to be. From <laughs> yes, that works. Yeah, that works. Uh, what also works is getting a, a hard hitting, hard hitting safety out of Florida. It's always a good thing. There's a lot of recruiting battles that are difficult to win in Florida, as you mentioned. The Gators were sort of the favorites, uh, home 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 region favorites for for Jarvis Boatwright, and USC impressed him mightily on the on the visit and that's going to be the story for all of these recruits is just how impressive USC's visit is um yeah i think it's a mark of not only 
California, not only Los Angeles being a very impressive thing, but clearly the Trojans uh, recruiting staff is doing something right in terms of how they're selling the program to these recruits because it feels like guys get on campus and they just rave, Um, rave not just about the campus, but about the presentation, about the offers, the, 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 what USC as a, as an entire entity offers to them. Uh, so yeah, you go into Florida and you get a, a really promising safety that uh, you can look forward to seeing in a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, which leads us into the third one, which is four star cornerback Dakota Fields. Uh, he picks the Trojans over the Oregon Ducks 78th in the 24 seven sports composite for next year's recruiting class, six foot two buck 75 out of Sarah over in Gardena. Um, historic USC pipeline Sarah is and uh, SC gets one um, in Dakota fields. And this one is, is the one that you look at and say might be the most important, but also the highest ranked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, the, the highest ranked of the bunch, most important because it's a pipeline um, mm-hmm. but also the sort of, uh, and most important because Oregon was very, very involved in this recruitment. And when it came down to it, he was either going to go to USC or Oregon. And so if you miss on him, he's going to a, well, I guess, I guess th- these aren't recruits for Oregon. That's, that's to be fair, but you still lose him no longer a, a conference rival, but you still don't want to see him going. Uh, how, how weird is that? It's, it's very strange to think about that. Because I know you're going to say you're like, you, you don't want him to still be in the conference. Yeah, he's not in the conference he's anymore. He's never going to know Oregon is a conference <laughs> rival. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, but, uh, but you know, it, it felt like Oregon was kind of confident in getting him. And uh, this is just another another Dante Williams masterclass to keep him home. And they always say in recruiting, you got to build the fence around Southern California and Getting uh, the you know the top prospect out of out of Sarah is an important part of any USC recruiting class, yeah. and we've seen USC recruiting classes where they haven't gotten that done, and it's been a negative factor for the overall recruiting health of the program. So, uh, yeah, big get. Also, love the name Dakota Fields. Just ooh, ooh, sweet. Yes. Yeah. So many of these guys have great great names. great names going um, on. Fields is a, is a good get not only because he's a highly rated prospect, but when SC was kind of struggling with uh, with recruiting at the end of the uh, Clay Helton era, the the thing was SC wasn't getting the top what ten top twenty guys in the state. Um, Fields is one of those guys. Uh, yeah. Currently ranked thirteenth uh, in the state. Um, SC would get another one, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes uh, from in state, who's on that ranking list too. Uh, but next one in order is four-star edge rusher Cameron Fountain. Another great name. He was a Tennessee lean before picking the Trojans uh, today. Uh, the 81st ranked uh, recruit in the 24-7 sports composite. Six foot five and a half, 237 out of Booker T uh, high in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, if if getting Dakota Fields was the most important then getting Cameron Fountain is the most impressive. Um, you yeah. go into Georgia, take a guy who was was uh, well, you know Tennessee thought they had were were in a good position with him, and he goes ahead and chooses USC. And again, it's a being very impressed by everything that USC has to offer out here, and to the point that you're willing to leave home, go across the country, and see what it's all about uh, at, at USC. So. 
big time get for USC, another sort of flex your muscles kind of get for USC uh, that just feels like one of those, you know, top hundred prospects that can be foundational mm-hmm. for your recruit- recruiting class. Yeah. We, we on the pod like to put a lot of stock in the 24 seven sports composite since it puts, you know, it, it, it looks at all the rankings, 24 seven sports rivals on three. I think ESPN is in there. Whoever else is in there at this point, um, it takes into account all those. But if you look at just 24 seven sports themselves, uh, Fountain is the sixth ranked edge rusher in the country and a top 50 prospect. So uh, someone who could absolutely progress up those rankings when you look at the composite side of things. So uh, I, I think the biggest side of this is that you you talk about how getting your in-state guys are important because you want to be able to do the things that you can control and in-state recruiting is what you usually can control uh if you're usc for the most part when you lose that you really have sort of lost the plot um but i think it's telling that when sc is at the peak of their game they're going out of states and they're getting dudes from all over the country uh and being able to get trader out of Colorado boat right out of Florida fountain out of Georgia guys that were either leaning or flirting with other schools in those States, I think is pretty telling for where USC's recruiting efforts kind of stand, which leads us into the most recent one, uh, a couple hours before he started recording, um, Manasseh Tete, um, a four-star offensive lineman, uh, out of uh, Central Catholic in Modesto up north, six foot five, two hundred ninety pounds, the three hundred and fifteenth ranked recruit in the twenty four seven Sports Composites, in-state guy, Northern California, but he was favored to go to Florida State. So Florida State, you know, a hot uh, sort of upstart program at the at the at the point of where they are in the in the, the Mike Norvell era, right? Like things are sort of coming together for the Knowles and here goes SC to take Tete away. Yeah. Bud Elliott over at 24 seven sports in April had put um, his crystal ball prediction for uh, Tete at, um, at Florida state at a pretty high confidence level. Cause they do confidence yeah. picks now. And he put it at a seven, which is pretty high. And, uh, and that, that was based you know, on something. But is always clued in with FSU, so yeah, that, that, so, that's a lot of merit there. So there's there's something behind that, but clearly, again, it's a it's a USC gets the visit, USC impresses, and uh, USC convinces mm-hmm. him to stay closer to home, which is which is huge. You know, M- Modesto isn't exactly like you know put a fence around LA sure. kind of territory, but it is still an area that USC should recruit strongly. It's it's still. Um, USC should should be have first pick of the guys that come out of that region, and especially when they're offensive linemen, especially when they're you know four star prospects. And you talked about how you know we put a lot of stake in twenty four seven sports composite, but if you look at the twenty four seven sports ranking again, this is another guy that twenty four seven sports themselves, which is the recruiting service that I frankly trust the most. Um, they have a much higher st- stock on uh, on on this guy, uh, 143rd nationally compared to 314th nationally for the composite, um, 12th OT in the class compared to 28th in the composite. So um, this is, I, I mean, we talk all the time that one of the things that USC 
didn't do very well in, in the past when they were struggling more in recruiting was to get the best offensive linemen that possible in the region. Yeah. And, um, this is what you, this, this, this is the prospect exactly that you have to, that you have to add. And there's other ones out there too. USC has a lot of work left to do in this class when it comes to, uh, recruiting California, when it comes to recruiting the sort of big men that are essential to building your program. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, modern day has a couple and modern, modern Brandon Baker, DeAndre Carter. Yeah. And, 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 um, on the defensive line, uh, Aiden Breland as well. So, there's some big hitters that USC still has to lock down if they if they possibly can in this class. But if you think about this recruiting weekend, um, probably goes as well as you could hope. And you have set now a standard that you know you're impressing these guys. What will future recruiting weekends potentially look like? Yeah, um, the class is starting to feel uh, <laughs> feel a lot stronger, especially because you know going into this month. The class was extremely small. It was not ranked highly um, in in the going into rankings. this month. I mean, yeah, I, I it's only the fifth day of the month, right? Like, yeah, these, I, these things have turned around really quickly. Yeah, exactly. And and it was, I mean, if people had asked the question, I I would have said, you know, the summer months are when recruiting really ramps up for yeah. the next class. Uh, you know, if USC is still in this position in August, then we can certainly have a discussion about whether or not to hit the panic yeah. button, but. Uh, you know, don't hit the panic button yet. And this sort of weekend is exactly why, you know, USC is going to be able to make an impression with these guys. They just have to keep this recruiting momentum up. And also it's June. You got to keep these commits committed. That's the trick. Yeah. June gloom in LA, but uh, June boom. For Lincoln Riley. I love yeah, it. Exactly. Um, I love it. Uh, so as of this recording, the class is eight commitments uh, in the 2024 recruiting class now ranks 19th nationally, just ahead of the Trojans brand new conference rival Rutgers. Uh, so we'll see what all comes to that. Obviously a lot of things can change. Um, they're probably not going to be one ahead of Rutgers for long. Uh, we'll see how everything comes to be. I, I, I think of the, the classes when, you know, you and I were first starting to sort of do the podcast 10 years ago, the, 2013 class the infamous 2013 class you remember that summer like every day it felt like in 2012 so the year before the summer before like every single day there was a new dude who was being committed and there were all big names um if you're sc that's the summer you kind of want you want a regular season with high expectations that you know sc is able to back up with the heisman trophy winner this year um and if you do that and ride off into the sunset with all these recruits, continue to excel on things like NIL and what you can, you know, offer in terms of a sales pitch for these recruits, you're going to keep getting recruiting wins. I think there's a reason why you hear coaches in the SEC talking about SC as one of the sort of schools that, you know, you, you look at as a big competitor nationally, right? Like, Saban has had multiple quotes about Saban. You know, throwing uh, SC around. Uh, Saban. Hmm. I have, uh, we can talk about that, by the way. It's not on our rundown, but uh, Nick Saban was complaining about NIL and how it uh, takes away the competitive balance as though Alabama mm -hmm. hasn't been benefiting from a lack of competitive balance in college football for the last decade. But sure, go ahead, Saban. Um, 
the the accusation was that USC and Texas A&M and Texas are paying out these big NIL dollars, which I continue to find really funny because every school out there thinks that their NIL arm sucks um, and (laughs) will complain about how everyone else is spending more money, including USC fans for a long time. USC has added a bunch of collectives that are certainly going to help in that in that department. But I do also think that it's interesting because it it seems like USC's NIL arm has been focused around transfers and taking advantage of transfers instead of paying out big bucks to entice recruits to come to USC. And and to be honest, I think that there's a chance that we might see USC's recruiting rankings um, suffer. If, if that truly is the strategy, then I think you, if you're a USC fan, you might want to get used to the idea that USC isn't going to have a top 10 recruiting class every year. Um, but frankly, I'm okay with that because I think it is smarter to target the transfer portal because you know more of what you're getting from the transfer portal. There's less risk in the transfer portal. And that's, that's not, not all recruits fit that bill. If, if, you know, if, if you're in a position to get someone like Dylan Riola, the, the top quarterback in the class, you try to get the top quarterback in the class by any right. means necessary. Like th- this doesn't all, all fit those boats, but there are players who aren't in that elite. You have to have the mode that, yeah, maybe let another school, let Texas A&M go throw, throw the dollars at them. Um, the important thing I think when it comes to recruiting, which is it always has always been the important part of recruiting is build relationships. And I think that you, you and I have talked in the past that the best thing that Clay Helton ever did as a recruiter and as a roster manager um, which he was flawed in a lot of different ways on, on that front. But the best thing that he did was always to build strong relationships and then leave the door open. And um, I think that there's certainly an argument to say that what your job in recruiting right now is to build as strong a relationship as possible with players. Um, and it's not necessarily a failure if you don't get them straight away because you might have a second shot at them. Um, yeah. so it's all about just building relationships and then maintaining relationships, keeping, making sure that your relationships are, are open to then strike in, in transfers or in, you know, whatever, um, as, it, as time goes on. I think it, it's, it's a good point. It's a really different sort of terrain that we're looking at. You still have to hit recruiting. You still have to absolutely make waves in recruiting, but I don't think recruiting is the end game anymore. I think recruiting is just sort of the mid game. Uh, high school recruiting is the mid game. Um, so yeah, it's something to, yeah. Like, you know, every coach in America is going to say that, uh, you know, tampering is an issue and they don't tamper, but everybody yeah. else does, which, <laughs> which is a lie. Yes. But like, um, I, I think the, the, the best way to tamper legally is to tell is to give your recruiting pitch until the very end. Mm-hmm. And even when you lose that recruiting battle, if you do, your recruiting pitch is okay. So you want to go to, do you want to go to Stanford? Do you want to go to UCLA? You want to go to Clemson? Whatever school it's going to be that you don't pick SC. Okay. I hope it works out for you. And if it doesn't remember all the things that I told you, and here's my number. Yeah. And, and make sure that they remember that side of it. And make sure that you walk the walk on those things too, because that's going to pay dividends 
down the line. And like you said, um, one of the things that you could say good about Clay Elton is, you know, he got McCoy back. I don't know that that paid too many dividends down the line at the end of the day, but you know, it, from a, fo- from a football perspective alone, it, it, it was, it did. The, the, the point is um, that's, you can't account that, for the other stuff. Right. But, but, but that's the kind of the thing that you want, I think to, to instill going forward is not burning bridges because transfers are so important. Yeah. Um, and transfers have always been important, you know, in the last 10 years, but even more so now with uh, the one-time transfer rule, especially how many guys are transferring after their freshman season. You go to a place, it doesn't work out. Yeah. If anything, I think this is a reason not to be such a negative recruiter too. Yes. 100%. I agree with you. Um, Like, I I don't think it's the end of the world. Like this, maybe this sounds a little weird and presumptive, but I don't think it's the end of the world to, not that you want to gaslight kids because that's gross, but like, okay, you're, you're dead set on going to this school that I don't think is a good fit for you. Like instead of just being this absolute, like, you know, person who doesn't take the loss. Well, you let them go and, and let them prove you right by going to a place that they don't have a good fit for you and then come back. Yeah. And, if, that, and, if that's truly what you believe, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, honesty in recruiting is really, yes. Yes. You, you, I, I think you hear this from recruits all the time is that they respond well to people who are who just are honest with them and build the relationship honestly. And, and it doesn't feel like they're being manipulated or whatever. And, right. Yeah. And, and some guys will be susceptible to negative recruiting, but I've, I've always been of the opinion that like, if you have to negative recruit, then you don't like, you're, you're not selling yourself well enough then. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, like you said, guys transferring after freshman year, Barry Alexander and uh, Anthony Lucas are prime examples of that, that USC mm-hmm. is now um, benefiting from. And uh, yeah. And then now it's on SC to sort of walk the walk there. Yes. You, you, you got those guys. Now, what can you do with, with their talent? What can you do with, with them on board? Um, you got to make do, you got to make do with those guys on the, on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, let, let's Get to some other news. Um, talk about the Mike Bone stuff. Um, where we left off uh, last couple of weeks. Uh, we, we didn't have an episode last week because it was Memorial Day. Um, about a week and a half ago, it came out that SC had named an interim AD. Uh, that's Denise Kwok. She is uh, USC's Executive Senior Associate, Associate Athletic Director for Student Athlete Development. Uh, she joined the athletic department in 2004 a USC grad. Uh, and according to the LA times, she'll be joined. Um, uh, she and um, Carol Foltz will be joined uh, in hiring a new um, athletic director with quote, a newly appointed interim leadership team that includes three external administrators with athletics experience, as well as four members of university president, Carol Foltz, senior administration Outside members of USC's leadership team include Sandy Barber, a former athletic director at Berkeley, most recently Penn State, Mitch Moser, a longtime administrator at Duke, and Kevin Weiberg, a former Big 12 commissioner and Big 10 network executive. USC's incoming provost, uh, Andrew Guzman, senior vice president and general counsel, uh, Byung-Soo Kim, 
uh, Senior Vice President of Human Resources, Equity, and Compliance, Felicia Washington, and Presidential Advisor Mark Merritt, none of whom currently work in athletics, comprise of the rest of Fultz's appointed transition team. Any thoughts? As soon as I saw this news, I loved it. Um, I think it's a sign that my instincts on this whole situation, I feel confident in my instincts on this whole situation, which is this. Carol Fultz has taken a beating for the Mike Bone thing, and she certainly deserves criticism for for the way the the hire was lacking in terms of, of vetting and, and all right. of that. Like, I don't think she should get out unscathed. But I think in the end, I have confidence that this is a blip and not a more of the sort of systemic leadership problems that we're used to at USC. Right. I have a lot of confidence in, in Carol Fultz. And one of the reasons I have confidence is that when these things got brought forward, she initiated uh, a uh, an investigation and that investigation led to an ouster of a, of a person who was not fit for their role. Right. There was, there was, there wasn't a cover up. Yes. Yeah. And then this move sort of backs up my feelings on this, that this feels extremely savvy and reasonable. I think I said at the time on Twitter, like this is extremely reasonable from USC. Um, you have somebody from you, you, you promote from within for the interim AD, which you have to do because someone has to already have their hands in the stuff that's going on in the athletic department. Right. Um, and that, but then you, you foster, uh, all of the concerns that I had about the timing of all of this being a little bit frustrating, uh, with the big 10 move and all of that kind of stuff, you reinforce all of those areas, um, of concern that I had by, by in having this interim leadership group, you bring in a former big, uh, big 10 AD. I think, and Sandy Barber was the one who took over at Penn state after the, uh, yeah, in 2014 after the yeah. whole issues over there yes. after the Sandusky stuff. So, so, so she's, I, I don't want to say that she is, you know, should like, like her claim to fame is cleaning up an, an athletic department, but she's been included in sort of that mess, albeit a few years later. Well, she's a, a, a has experience in the conference to which USC is moving yes. and experience in an athletic department in turmoil. And the Big Ten. And yeah, and the Big Ten, exactly. Yeah. Um, you you bring in, you know, guys from Duke. Um, uh Kevin Weinberg feels like a, a really good another Big Ten connection with sort of upper level because he was a commissioner, a, a conference commissioner. It feels like you're hitting every level of the puzzle piece uh, of the puzzle right. that you're you're dealing with. Um, you know, I, I, it just feels like this is a very well rounded and respected group from what I can tell. Yeah, uh, which we don't always have the full picture because we're literally not in the rooms with these people, but it feels very well rounded for a transition team. And I like it. I feel confident in the direction that, uh, that this is all going in. Yeah. I, so. I, I'm with you. I, it, it's, you know, we, t- we talked about it before that the hiring of Mike bone before, <laughs> before it all aged like, yeah. no, um, it was something that I think that SC could be proud of on the surface at the time, not right now, obviously, um, because SE went out and hired somebody out of the norm. They didn't make the lazy former football player hire and all that stuff. Clearly it backfired. Um, and all of the credit that I think that Carol Fultz got at the time, so much of it has gone away because 
I think our vantage point of the things that that happen at the university, so much of it is tied to, you know, what has gone down under Mike Bone, right? Like his hiring, him bringing on uh, Lincoln Riley, all the stuff that Brandon Sosna was able to do under underneath him, the you know the going to the Big Ten, all of those things, all of those victories that the athletic department had. It's easy to say, well, a lot of that had to do with with Carol Folt, and therefore Carol Folt is successful. But now that it's stripped away because we see that the actual story with with Mike Bone and that Mike Bone should have never been hired because he had you know the allegations back at Cincinnati and Cincinnati people were okay with him sort of leaving and all that stuff. I, I think that we still have to remember that Carol Folt does more than just the athletic department. Yeah. And while it, while our touchstone is just the athletic department, it's easy to say, well, she screwed up the Mike Bone thing, and therefore she's bad at everything. I don't think it's that simplistic. And I do think that, you know, she's been around uh, long enough to, uh, with everything else, the massive mess left by Max Nikias, um, that she can't be not doing things right. That's my general perspective of like no nothing perspective that I'm going with. And if she's able to put everything together with a team that sort of makes sense here, you're, you're right. Like go out and get people who know what they're doing and get their opinion. Let them be contributors to make the, the correct decision. And that's what you should be doing. That's those are the things that you should be going after. And if you end up hiring someone with USC experience, okay. If they walk the walk and talk the talk and know all the, and, and have the value valuable experience else elsewhere and all those things don't do this and just hire, you know, Matt Liner yeah. because you hired <laughs> you Pat imagine. Hayden and Lynn Swan, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but also you gotta, you gotta prove it. You gotta prove that the Mike bone thing was a mistake that you can, you know, get back and, and prove that it's not going to happen again. And I, I think, you know, Fulton and everybody else has a good opportunity to do that, but you've got to actually do it. And so mm-hmm. I think the the optics here are good, but still like you look at the national optics, I was listening to uh, like the Athlon cover two pod. And when we look at things and say, yeah, there's a difference at USC not only from the athletic department, the athletic department now in this type of dysfunction is way different than it was three, four years ago with all the FBI scandals and the, you know, the university as a whole is way different than it was three, four years ago with all of those FBI scandals and all that stuff from the outside perspective. People don't see those changes Yeah, because the only tangible evidence you have to see is bone replaced uh, Swan who was terrible, who replaced Hayden, who was terrible, who replaced Garrett, who left in shame. So you have to, you have to get this AD higher, right? Because it is an absolute huge reflection of the university's success as a whole. Um, yeah. I, I mean, to, that, to, to nail it, that much is very, very clear. Yeah. Whoever Carol Folt hires as the athletic department, she's going down with them. If, yes. uh, <laughs> and I know, uh, like you said, it's, it's you, the you broader university is not just the athletic department, but also 
you can't screw up. Uh, you, you, for me, you get grace. You get my grace for, for the sense of, I understand how this one happened. And I also still have confidence in the leadership. Right. If you but, do it again, but you, you can't know. keep saying you understand how a mistake yeah. happened. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. you, you, you have you to gotta, get it right. Which is why I like the transition team because the transition team gives you time to get it right. You don't have to rush the hire. You let yes. the transition team do the job and find the right person. Yeah. Um, Chechex in the, uh, in the chat says, does anyone, does it give anyone else anxiety to think that Carol Folt might pick someone Lincoln Riley isn't a fan of, doesn't get along with? I, this is an interesting question because no, on the surface, no, but I think there's some nuance here on one hand. You hire an athletic director that is for your athletic department. You should not hire a yes man to Lincoln Riley. Um, because in part that's <laughs> SC's problems as a whole are a lot of yes men that, that, you know, yes men and women that led to all of the varsity blues stuff, the, the whole, uh, the, the sanctions back in the day, like all of those things were giving too much power to specific people or not enough power in certain ways, not having checks and balances, not having a system in place that overlooked things. So no, I don't think that you should go out and hire an athletic director that just turns his back to Lincoln Riley and lets Lincoln Riley do everything that he wants to do just because while you want your, your star football coach to have the power and the ability to control his program in a way that allows him to succeed and doesn't make him, you know, handcuffed in ways that'll make him unhappy, make ways that make him look to the NFL or look to another program. At the same time, you want to hire someone who makes sense for where your program is. And you want to hire someone who fits in a culture that has a football coach that does have a lot of power. You, you know, yes. like I, I think you, there's, you need there's to be, nuance you, here. You have to be careful not to hire a control freak. Yes. Because you hired You Lincoln don't want Riley. someone who's going to butt heads with Lincoln Riley, you but you also Lincoln don't want Riley someone win, who's just going to be a pushover. You hired Lincoln Riley to win your football games. Yes. And you want a, an AD who's going to support Lincoln Riley and his right. quest to win. But Lincoln you, Riley's not the AD. To win you football. No, he's not the AD, but he shouldn't have to be. Right. And, and, and again, it, you need somebody who can, who... You don't want a control freak who's going to go in and act like he can control Lincoln Riley because that's not your job as the AD either. Right. Um, you want someone who's willing to to work and have a good working relationship with Lincoln Riley. That that does mm -hmm. need to be something that you take into account. You can't, um, you know, that's one of the ways that you can screw up this hire by hiring somebody who doesn't mesh with the vibe of the of the um yeah of of the athletic department the most important person in in but which is Lincoln Riley. I, I, but yeah, I agree you don't want a pushover who's just a who's who's just a uh letting Lincoln Riley run rampant even if, you know, Lincoln Riley is going to be wrong you sometimes. Know, you need to have somebody who knows what they're doing as I, well. I do want to clarify that like letting Lincoln Riley run rampant sounds like uh like as if he's gonna you know push the boundaries on all these things yeah and that's that's not what i mean it's more so like you want to be able to have a structure that works for all your coaches yeah and and, and everything um, but a good AD but will also do you that that's literally a an ad's job is to manage the egos and needs of each yes. of the coaches and and each of the right. programs within like 
a good AD does that job. If you hire a good AD, you don't have to worry about those problem or worry about this problem necessarily. Right. But you, I, I'm also a believer in you hire an AD hoping that this AD is going to be here for the next 20 years. Yeah. You hire a coach hoping that they're going to be here for the next seven to 10. And so your AD, you need to, the, the AD, AD you hire is going to hire theoretically Lincoln Riley's replacement. Yeah. So like, it can't just be someone handpicked to work just for no. Lincoln Riley. No. Yeah. So hire someone that works for you and ho- hopefully hire someone that meshes with Lincoln Riley and with Andy's think over, which, and Andy Enfields and all those guys. hire a good, AD hire a good who AD. knows what they're doing. I, well, just, it's, it's that simple. It's not. Right? Yeah. It doesn't yes. need to be this hard. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Uh, let's get to the last bit of news. Uh, the college football hall of fame has updated their new ballots. There's a new ballot out. Um, there are 70, sorry. Se- yeah. 78 players on it, including two Trojans, Dennis Thurman and Mark carrier carrier. Of course, USC's first Thorpe award winner in 1989 is the nation's top defensive back. Dennis Thurman, who's currently the director of quality control, uh, and defense for Colorado under, Deion Sanders uh, was a two-time All-American, um, just like Carrier was a two-time All-American in the 70s for Thurman uh, and in the 80s for Mark Carrier. Um, do you see them as Hall of Famers? Um, I think... Mind you, they, they both played before we, we were alive. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I certainly didn't see it, either of them play extensively, so I can't necessarily well, we were newborns speak, in 89, on, speak on that. I will say that uh, they've been on the on the ballot in the past and they haven't made the cut and it's been unfortunate. But part of me thinks it's hard. It's hard to break through when every year you add new guys that are just super clear Um, Mm -hmm. to me. If you like in Mark Carrier's case, if you are a winner of a of a national award and a two time All-American you should be a hall of famer. Like, I don't think that's the question for, for, for carrier. And, um, maybe that's ultimately going to be, be make sure, ensure that he ends up in there. Um, but it's just like, where it's hard to, it's hard to think of like, where's the room? Like for instance, carrier and Thurman yeah. have been on that ballot before Matt Leinart was on that ballot before Carson Palmer was on that ballot before, you know, uh, others were, were on that ballot and they've gotten in before them. So I don't know what it takes to get those votes specifically. Um, but, uh, Mark Carrier at the very least feels like he should be, should be a hall of famer. I, I, I'm a little bit less certain about Thurman. The college football hall of fame is weird. We've talked about this before. Well, it's, it's, you have to be a, a hall of famer or sorry, an, an all American. And while that seems to be obvious, it makes it difficult for guys like Drew Brees. Drew Brees wasn't an all American because he played at a time with Peyton Manning. Yeah. Um. So that it's, it's weird because he's one of the all time greatest passers in college football and he's can't be in the hall of fame. Uh, Pete Carroll can't be in the hall of fame. Cause he only coached nine instead of 10 years. Um, I think when you win a personal award, like the Thorpe trophy, the Thorpe award, like 
to me, that qualifies as being Hall of Fame tier. Does that mean that you belong in the Hall of Fame? Sure, I guess. But like, I don't know that not being in the Hall of Fame means that you're less than. You won the Thorpe. Like, you are minted at that point in my in my book. Like being like for- being all American puts you on the the All American wall. Winning the Thorpe puts you in Heritage Hall, and I think Heritage Hall is like the top honor that you could have as a player, right? At SC. Like I don't think the I don't think you need the Hall of Fame to validate you even further. And if it does, cool. If not, whatever. That that's my thought. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, it's again, it's all Hall of Fame voting and Hall of Fame credit. Uh, uh, credentials yeah. and all that kind of stuff. It's it's a messy business, but it's especially um, because all these players that are on the ballots have like similar <laughs> credentials. Everyone's like a one or two time All American, and they, like how do you split these hairs? I don't know how you do it. Really don't. So well, and and that's like I'm going through and looking at who's on the ballot who has won the Thorpe Award, and there's a bunch of them. the The thing that Carrier has above those guys is that he was a two time first team All American. And the other guys I've seen were one time first team all Americans. So maybe that's just like, I'd like to see, I, I, I would love to see Mark Carrier get in. That's, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I'm not necessarily going to stake my living on Mark Carrier getting in this year because it's such a crapshoot and who knows, like there's a, there's a lot of dudes that need to get put in that are going to be bigger names um, that, are now eligible uh, that weren't eligible before and, and sort of the, the ins and outs get tricky. Yeah, absolutely. St- scrolling through the, uh, the ballot. There's, there's some names here. Like, uh, Michael Vick, Michael Vick, Marshawn Lynch, um, Terrell Suggs, James Laurinaitis. Peter Terrell, Warwick. So I saw a tweet about how the hell has Terrell Suggs not been voted in yet. And this is a prime example. Like you look at Terrell Suggs for a second there. I thought to myself, cause I couldn't quite remember. For a second there, I thought, is Terrell Suggs one of those weird ones where it's like they they weren't like heavily decorated for whatever reason, like the Peyton Manning situation? No, he uh, had like an all-time no, season. He, no, he was like... Arguably the greatest season as a defensive end. Yes, yeah. and he was extremely... he A unanimous All-American, Nagurski-Lombardi winner, uh, one of the greatest like defensive seasons of all time, like Morris Trophy winner, uh, like all, every everything you he was eligible, he won. How how is he not in the Hall of Fame yet? But that's the whole point. It's like Terrell Suggs isn't in the Hall of Fame yet. Like, right? It's 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 tough. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we'll we'll see what we'll see what comes of it. Um, not sure exactly when, uh, the voting is. Um, but uh, we'll we'll see how it all comes to be. This is for next year's class, by the way, twenty twenty four. Um, all right. Before we wrap this thing up and go to the mailbag, we want to do a um. Mount Rushmore of USC stuff. I want to do one one a week here in the offseason. Um, or, or one of my favorite podcasts, The Doughboys, would call it a, a Mount Trojan more. I like it. Mount but Trojan I, I think we could we could get a more creative name. So if you come up with a better name, Mount Trojan more, Mount Rotmore, maybe. Mount Rotmore. Rotmore could I like work. Mount Rotmore. Let us know. Throw a yeah. name in the chats. Send us an email, randomtroyatfanside.com. A comment on YouTube, something, anything. Uh, let us know. Um, we're we're open to discussions. So um, 
First one this week, we're going to do USC band songs. So, Alicia, what is on your Mount Trojan Moor, Rotmore, whatever, USC band songs? Yeah, uh, so I think this is easy. And I, okay. and I know that you're going to disagree because I'm going very vanilla here. I'm going mm-hmm. very straightforward. But we're talking Mount, Mount Rotmore, like just the four that have to be on there, the four classics. Um, I think they they become very, very clear very quickly. So tribute to Troy. Mm-hmm. I put tribute to Troy on there just because it annoys opposing fans so much. And I get to strike back at them that like you only hear it because USC gets a defensive stop. So get don't let USC get defensive stops and you won't hear it. Um, the same goes for my other song that's on this, which is Fight On, which I know I think that of all of the classics, I think Fight On is probably the one that would get left off most often personally mm-hmm. because <laughs> because it's um I, I don't know if it's just it's not as um it epic yeah as it's not as epic that's are. true it's not as epic um but i love fight on i love the message great, of fight on i love song. the yeah. student section hand movements with fight on like i enjoy it so and again i get to you know i enjoy that other that rivals hate it like i enjoy that bit um conquest is absolute perfection it gives me chills it's it's epic as you say Mm -hmm. it is distinctly usc especially because it sort of is one of these things that just like this epic feels trojan and also it was in a hollywood movie and that feels fitting and like that's what all of these other fight songs in the country are are, interactions too are 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 made up for what they are but usc's fights uh, usc's like sound different right fight on sounds like it could be anyone's fight song yes but conquest is conquest it's tribute and and, and conquest could only be pulled off at sc and like you said fan interaction the the woos in the in the coliseum on a at the beginning on a a night uh at at night are just it gives me chills i absolutely love it just one of my absolute favorite parts of college football Mm -hmm. and then number four for me is tusk again it's 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 a song that USC's band plays because USC's band played it for Fleetwood Mac. They're in the damn music video. They play it with them on stage. It is the the Trojan Marching Band's uh, platinum album uh, uh, claim to fame. And also the rivalry t- touch of UCLA sucks is um, just can't, can't go wrong. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, that's my... Uh, those are my four tribute to Troy conquest fight on and Tusk. Yeah. I, I, um, I probably should have get put more stipulations here because you're okay. right. I, I think you, you went chalk, but I think that that's might be just the perfect chalk. Yeah. Tribute conquest fight on and Tusk. Um, I tried to stray away from there from using just the chalk picks. That's fair. Um, Tusk should have been on my list, by the way, but I wrote this list before we started talking here. I put tribute conquest in the stone and sing, sing, sing. If this was a, a Mount Rotmore, Trojan Moor, whatever the hell we're going to call it of non fight songs, then it's in the stone, sing, sing, sing heartbreaker. And then I think you go to either kids aren't all right 
or All Right Now. And I know All Right Now is Stanford's claimed fight song. Right. But it sounds so good when SC plays it. I, I think Kids Aren't All Right is a really good pull because that, again, is a uniquely USC band song. Like yes. it's, Dexter, Dexter Hall, we know, went to SC, yes. studied molecular biology. Yes. Like, and yeah, there's something just, just distinctly. Fan interaction. Yes. So, um, so I, I think if we're saying that fight song's not included for me, In the Stone, Sing, 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 Kids Aren't All Right, and Heartbreak. I like it. I like it. And and I will I will agree with you. In the Stone and Sing 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 are just outstanding parts of the USC band catalog. Like yes. just they 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 come on or the band plays them live and I just feels like think, oh, things are right. This is right. This yeah. this is meant to be a USC band song. West, um, West Texas Mike <laughs> in the chat says SC plays all right now better than Stanford. This is true. I agree. Although I famously in a Stanford band, Apologists, the one, yeah. the only Lilius Lansford Jr. University marching band. I am an apologist for them. I love their version of All Right Now. I like SC's better, but I think they're both good. They're both very different, very different arrangements. Yes. Um, oh, but SC's is great. It's great. I am with Tim and LA in the chat too. Uh, personally, and I know a lot of people disagree with me. March the Grandioso? St- the Stanford Countermarch is just a chef's kiss. See, and I've always hated the You've always, I know, we've had this conversation before. I love the I like March Grandioso, the song. I love the Countermarch. I just love the count, like, I love the count, the performance of the Countermarch. It's, it's, it's all right. It's everything. It's I love right. it. It's not Sing, Sing, Sing. Not in terms of sing, song, sing, sing, and it kills me because they don't sing, they don't sing, play sing, sing, sing for for a homecoming anymore. Absolute kills me. These Gen Zers, I swear, <laughs> you know, just taking everything away. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, in the Stone was so important to make sure that uh, they they played it at our wedding, and they did. I was glad. Played in the Stone. You have to. It's just it's it's an iconic SC song. But yeah, I think we all agree. If we're, if we're doing. Including fight songs, I think you nailed it. Tribute, conquest, fight on a tusk. Uh, no fight songs. We're gonna go with in the stone, sing, sing, sing. Kids aren't all right. And what's the other one? Uh, uh, heartbreaker. Yeah, yeah, heartbreaker. Um, and Scott in the chat said heartbreaker as well. So, um, let us know your your Mount Rushmore of USC band songs, Mount Trojan more, Mount Rotmore, whatever. Uh, let us know your thoughts. Send us an email, put it in the chat, whatever. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, leave a comment and, and we'll uh, give you our reactions as well. Um, all right. Um, we got a question in the chat from Cameron in Frisco, Texas. How would you feel about Jonathan Quick possibly winning the Stanley Cup for the Vegas Golden Knights? And who do you have winning the series? Stanley Cup finals. I got feelings on this, bud. <laughs> on the one hand, I'm all for Alec Martinez and Jonathan Quick winning a Stanley Cup, hoisting it, putting their names on the beautiful bastard. Yes, absolutely. I'm for it. Do I want Vegas to win the Cup? No. In their sixth season? No. They need to suffer. They need to suffer a lot longer than they have. And they need to not win it yet. I'm sorry. I'm call me a bitter Kings fan. That's fine. 
and also I don't want like as cool as it would be to see quick first of all to get his name on the cup he's got to actually play in the series it's probably not going to happen um it would be cool to see that happen but no I have I have no interest in validating his thoughts after being traded from the Kings either go Panthers <laughs> which which makes me terrible because that means I'm rooting for Matthew Kachuk which is nauseating so yeah not none of this none of this works i have no opinion on that. <sighs> anyways uh we got a question from uh Laura Laura who says what unit of the defense do you think will make it the biggest jump from last season uh defensive line no linebacker because the linebacker play was so bad it's got to be better it's the, the bar is low <laughs> yeah the, <laughs> the bar is low absolutely well we can, can go with that one for sure um, all right, we're, we're going to wrap up the episode there. We'll be back next week to talk more USC football. Um, as always, give us your thoughts in the comments. Uh, reply to us. Um, uh, send us an email, randotroyapanside.com, uh, and leave us your reviews over on Apple Podcasts. Um, and again, this episode is brought to you uh, by DraftKings, where you can use the promo code Reign of Troy, all one word. Uh, and. Um, if you do that, you can receive 200 bucks in bonus bets, followed by just three steps. Create an account, deposit, and then wager five bucks on any sports. Which I think works. All the, all, the, all the details are in the episode description, so go check that out. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, same time as always, 5 p.m. Pacific on Monday night. Um, until then, adios. See ya. See ya.